Welcome back to Rage Interview. Matt Miguez here. You there. Jerry Abear and Josh Jagno could not join me today. Therefore, I will be running the show from a solo perspective today. But however, we are joined by Justin McLeod of Justin's World of Softball.com. He is, from what I've been told and looking through his, his website, he is the guy to follow in, in terms of in terms of college softball, Justin, thank you so much for joining us, man. How are you? The, how are you today? I'm doing good. I appreciate you guys having me on here. Yeah, you know, uh, we were we were referred to you by a uh, by a listener of ours, and you know, look, looking at your stuff, I mean, like I said, I, I wasn't lying when I said that you are, you know, the go to source for softball information. So, kind of b- before we dive into the Raging Cajuns for the 2021 preview. If you don't mind, give our listeners a little bit of background on yourself, how you got into you know the softball scene, and tell them about uh, JustinsWorldOfSoftball.com. Yeah, for sure. So, anyway, I've been doing this. This will be the tenth season that I've covered um, college softball. Um, I started back in uh, 2012 and just kind of kind of started as a. I mean, I, I don't want to call it a passion project because at that point it was it was almost me. Okay, let's give this a shot, kind of thing. Um, I've worked in the, in, in the newspaper business and that kind of thing at, at a local level, but you know, one of something that was, I, I guess the best way to put it is something that was to a larger audience and yet still more targeted at the same time. Um, so, you know, kind of started this of the sports that I knew I had football, I had baseball, I had softball that I felt like, you know, I knew enough about to be able to write about and, and, and you know, to contribute something to, but softball was really the media space where, it didn't it didn't have one. If we're going to be honest at that point. There were a couple of small, you know, solo market kind of things. So I said, well, it's one of two things: either some people have tried it and failed, or nobody's tried it. I said, so I'm going to give it a shot. Hope it's the latter. Turns out it was. Um, just kind of it started it, just kind of kept going, and and then it blew up. And like, hey, well, you know, it, it's one of those things where I didn't expect it to happen, but I'm not sad that it has. And like I say, now going on 10 years of covering college ball, um, we, co- we cover, we did D1 primarily, we do some D2, some D3, some pro ball, Team USA, international softball kind of stuff. So it's kind of expanded in what we've covered over time. Um, but, and that, that's, it, it's not necessarily glamorous. Um, and I wish I could say I predicted it and I'm just a genius, but honestly, just kind of followed some intuition and followed my heart and got me here and I get to write about softball. Yeah, you know, very similar to, to the reason that I started Rage and Review, and it was there. It felt like there was a need for something mm-hmm. in in you know in this field, and for for the longest time, media from a fan's perspective at UL didn't exist. Yeah, and, and so one day back in 2018, I said, hmm, "Let me let me give this a shot," and you know, it, it's really it's really blown up into bigger than I could have ever imagined. But, um, you know, before let's dive into the Cajuns now, uh, 2020, obviously the season was cut short due to the COVID-19 pandemic. The the Cajuns were able to go 18 and six before the season was cut short. If you don't mind, 
what were your thoughts on the 2020 season? And, you know, what, what, are, what are you seeing going into 2021 for Gary Glasgow and his team? Well, I have the luxury and the benefit of actually living in the state of Louisiana. So I get to see the Cajuns in person more than um, the few peers that I have now on the softball media scene. I actually really liked what I saw um, from the Cajuns. Um, you know, the, the way Glasgow's come in and built that roster, you know, he's relied on the transfer portal, portal the last few years. But he's gotten, by virtue of that, some really solid talent. And, you know, I really like the makeup going into the season of both the roster but also the schedule because, you know, Cajuns didn't shy away. You know, they, they were playing Florida and Texas and teams like that. And you know what? Splitting a, a doubleheader against Texas, taking the series from Florida, that's that's one of the, some of the more impressive things that happened in what we've got of the season of college softball as a whole. I really liked what they were um, bringing to the table and actually putting together on the field. Got to see them a couple of times during the year. I felt like, you know, even even in the times where they had kinks, maybe they needed to work out, maybe a little rust here and there kind of thing early in the year. I liked how they were actually able to do that to come back. You know, I was over in the, when they were playing at the UAB tournament. I was actually covering that tournament early in the year, and you know, watching them. You know, there would be a couple of games where you know maybe the bats were a little cold and took a few innings to get going or something like that, and then they'd come out the next game and they'd put you know five six runs on any couple of innings. I really liked what I saw on the field. I felt like the Cajuns delivered um, from from the scheduling point of view. You know, a tough schedule like that, you could easily say, oh, well, we played Texas even if we lost two games, whatever. Well, number one, that's not Glasgow style. It's not the Cajun style. But they also didn't have to. They went and they won those games. Um, and taking a series from Florida, is, that's no small task. I really liked the product that was there. Um, and I was I was really looking forward to seeing what the Cajuns were going to do the rest of the year and then in the postseason. when. You know, we got the rug pulled out of my curve. Yeah, you know, it, it was shortly after that Florida series that I had a conversation with a friend about, you know, this team. And for the first time in a long time, the conversation of could this team compete for a national championship really kind of, you know, that, that conversation among the fan base really kind of started to happen. Um and with the news of with, with what you've seen deciding to come back and players like Summer Ellison and Alyssa Dalton, and we'll get into those guys, we'll get into the, them a little bit later, but you, you kind of start on the surface to say the same thing going into 2021. Can this team contend for the national championship? Yeah, and that's the thing about the Cajuns. Is, you know, it's one of you, the Cajuns are one of those teams that are always in that conversation. And, but you're right. The last few years before, before 2020, of course, it's kind of been, okay, you know, they've got some talent, but they're just not as good as maybe X team or Y team or Z team. But there's two things that I think, um, well, two, three things, um, two parts of one thing that I think make um, really, really good, a good sign towards a championship team. You've got to have pitching depth in today's game of softball, and you've got to have an offense that, that combines power with finesse. And that, and I think the Cajuns, checked all three of those boxes last year and so I think that's why you know so many people because I was one of them I felt like they had the potential to be a World Series thing uh, I felt like they had some championship potential in them so you come into 21 now obviously you've lost that second arm to the level of you know, Megan Kleist you don't have a, a Kleist now in the fold you still got some arms that are there, there of quality 
Um, but you don't have that. So, you know, you have a little bit more of a question mark there. But the offense, in large part, it's still got the combination of the power and the finesse. So, especially in the early season, if the Cajuns have somebody who steps out, you know, can kind of be that solid number two arm, I think you're in very similar position to where you were in, in 2020 if you're Glasgow and Co. Chatting with Justin McLeod of Justin's World of Softball. You know, you had a you had a conversation recently with Coach Glasgow looking forward to the to the twenty twenty one season. Talk about your experiences with him over over recent years and your thoughts on his coaching philosophy and coaching style. Well, honestly, J- Jerry is one of my favorite coaches to cover in college softball. Um, he he's very authentic. He's very real. What you see is what you get. And I know I'm not telling Cajun fans anything when I say that, but that's that's a dying art. In general, but especially in, in the world of coaching, um, you know, you have so many who go to their old standby phrases and, and this kind of stuff and, you know, non-committal things about team. You ask Jerry Glasgow a question, you're going to get the answer to the question. And so that's something that has been over the last year since he got down um, to Lafayette. That's been one of the things that I've been really uh, refreshed and to learn and to get to know about Jerry. Um, I, I mean, from a coaching perspective, he, he's one of those guys where you've almost got the combination of hardcore, let's do it right coach. But at the same time, he's almost got that, he's almost that, that father figure at the same time. And that's a delicate balance in today's age. Sometimes you have coaches who can push and push and push and want to do things a certain way. And we're going to push until we get there. But then they can't do the personal relation side of it. They can't relate to the players on a personal level. They can't sit there and, you know, cry with them if they've had a, a heartbreak or something like that. You still have others that can do the personal side of it, but maybe, you know, can't, can't push to the level you need to, to be a top-level coach. Well, Jerry's one of those few that I think kind of checks both of those boxes. And I think that's why he's gotten off of such a hot start in Lafayette. He does things his way. Um, you're not going to find a lot of coaches necessarily that do um, some of the some of the same things all at once, but it works for him, and he knows it does, and so that's why he sticks with it. Um, but I mean, he's he's somebody that I love to cover because you know what you're going to get, and yet at the same time, something unexpected is always going to happen in a game, in a press conference, whatever it may be. Um, and, and then I mean, just from from a coaching level, you know, you look at the softball, the game of softball division one across the, across the country. And, and Jerry Glasgow's in a class all his own because he does combine so many of those traits together. But I mean, it's few years as he's been in Lafayette. He's pretty widely seen from people that I talk to. And just in the general consensus, it's pretty widely seen to be one of the, one of the top coaches in the country. And in three years, that's not an easy place to reach. Yeah. There, there's no doubt. Uh, Cajun fans think the world of, of Jerry Glasgow, and we want to keep him in vermilion and white, you know, as, as long as we possibly can. Let's dive into the roster now, uh, Justin. You know, you mentioned the, the pitching depth is one of the things you need to be successful in today's softball. You know, you talked about losing Megan Kleist and how she provided that second valuable arm behind Summer Ellison. How does Jerry Glasgow replace that arm? Who is on the roster, or you know, if it's not just one person, you know, maybe it's a mix of people, um, you know, by committee. How can you replace that second arm in twenty twenty one? Well, in all honesty, I don't think you, or I don't think it's possible to replace somebody like Megan Clyde. 
Um, I, I just don't. You, you have to make up for the absence, but I don't know that you can replace her. I mean, she's that good of a pitcher. She's that good of a player. She's that good of an arm. So with that in mind, then it becomes, then the thought process becomes, okay, well, how do you fill the hole? And I think you hit on, I think it, it has to be, at least to start, a, a by-committee approach. Um, you know, you, you bring in a couple of transfers, and, you know, you, but you don't know, okay, you got Summer Ellison at the top, that's a given. Okay, well, what do you have behind her? Not only, you know, names and, and experience and that kind of thing, but these are not players who have, you know, faced the Sun Belt roster. So coming from a higher level school, you know, you think, okay, well, if Vanessa Foreman's used to pitching in the Pac-12, well, then she can get used to pitching in the, in the, in the Sun Belt pretty simply. Doesn't always go that way. You know, you want to see the on-field product. I do think it's going to go down to a by-committee approach. But the one thing that I think is key, um, especially relating back to what I said earlier about being needing to check the box of pitching depth to get to a championship level, by the time the postseason comes around, there needs to be somebody who has stepped out enough that Jerry Glasgow's comfortable enough with saying, okay, you're getting the ball in the winner's bracket game of a regional. You're getting the ball in game two of a super regional. And if he has that comfort level with any of those other pitchers on the roster, whether it be Foreman or Lamb or whoever, the Cajuns are going to be in good shape. If he's not to that point with any of them, especially by the time late conference season and the postseason comes around, then there's a much bigger question mark for me because Summer Ellison can't do it all herself. She's, she did it all herself for a couple of years. I, I, her arm must be made of rubber. I, that's all I can come up with. I mean, because she just goes out there and she goes inning after inning, and she just she's just as good as she is in the seventh of the fourth game of the weekend, you know, as she wasn't inning one of game one. Um, but she can't do it all, and she certainly can't do it all in the postseason. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, I covered the Ole Miss Regional where the Cajuns were. I liked what I saw from the Cajuns. I picked them to win the Regional. And then, you know, just a few pitches where you could tell Ellison was getting a little tired. And ultimately, of course, we know what happened there. The key, for I think, for the Cajuns in the pitching department, during the year, it's one thing. But you've got to be in the point by the postseason, the late conference season and in the postseason, where somebody is, you're, that you're just comfortable enough with somebody going out there for you to put the faith in them to say, all right, you're number two, you're going in game two, you're going here, you're going against this opponent. And com- the comfortability of putting your trust in that person, if the Cajuns can get there, I think they're in great shape. If they can't, I think it's a giant red question mark. Yeah, you know, that, that, was, that was always the issue, you know, especially e- even last year. You know, Megan Kleiss, there, there's no question she was this phenomenal pitcher for the program, but there were moments where, and, you know, this could have been injury or, you know, whatever it may be, there were moments where it seemed like Coach Glasgow didn't want to go to her. And, you know, as as a fan, you kind of sit back and be like, well, well, why not? You know, Summer's, summer's clearly tired. Why wouldn't you go to this dominant Pac-12 arm that we have. Well, and, you know, I mentioned I covered that tournament. Uh, it was in Birmingham with the Cajuns were there and Ole Miss were there. And we saw, um, we had some press box discussions amongst the couple of media members that were there about something very similar to that. And that's part of where I reference, you know, you think going from the Pac-12 to the Sun Belt is super easy. Well, Megan Kleist also... She, she must have a rubber arm herself because she was used a lot out at Oregon. 
Uh, and she had the postseason experience, which is where I really thought her biggest contribution was going to be eating innings in the regular season and then the postseason, the veteran leadership in the postseason were the two things I thought were the biggest piece of her. But at the same time, you could see that there was a little bit of a drop-off in Megan Kleist, whether that was because of just how the year's events had happened, whether that's because uh, excuse me, of how her Oregon tenure had happened, whether that was because of the, of the year off or whatever it was. But you could just tell that a little bit of, of the old Megan Kleist was not there. Now, could that little bit have come back through the course of a year, kind of when she got into the flow of facing um, Sundelt pitchers, or excuse me, Sundelt offenses? Sure, it could have. And I think in the postseason, that's where she would have been an invaluable asset. But that was something that neat, covering the Cajuns in what I was able to do in the short season of 2020. You, you could tell it was a little bit of a drop-off uh, in Megan Kleist. And, I mean, you don't know what the reasoning was. And, again, a year off can make a lot of difference in, in the best of the best. Um, so that's, that's the logical, likely reasoning for it. But I think that was a big reason for that because, you know, even from an analyst's point of view, covering games from press box and watching games and that kind of stuff, you could tell there was a little something where, you know, just, just little pieces here and there, it just it just wasn't quite what you were used to seeing from Megan Clyde. And, you know, I think at the same time, somewhere else and somewhere else, and you know what you're getting with her, you know what you've gotten for for however many years. So it's easy to go back to that and to say, okay, well, Summer's going to throw here because it's, it's what we know we're getting. Megan's still got to work some things out or whatever. I really think that was a big piece of the puzzle there. Now, it's a piece of the puzzle I think would have gotten straightened out from conference season. Unfortunately, we never got there, so we'll never know. Let, let's let's look at the transfer market now. You know, you, you talked about how he lo- he loves to go to the transfer portal, um, you know, and it, it's proven to work well for Coach Glasgow here at Louisiana. Um, and 2021 is going to be no exception, bringing in Sierra Bryan and Justin Mills, Justice Mills, excuse me, from Georgia, as well as Carly Heath from South Carolina, Vanessa Foreman from Arizona, just to name a few. Um, I want to talk a little bit about that. And, you know, after, after you answer this question, I want to focus a little bit more on Sierra Bryan. Who makes the biggest immediate impact from a transfer perspective in 2021? Well, Brian, Brian's easy one. Um, but just because of the powerful bat she's got and what she did to the SEC pictures. But I'm actually not going to say Sierra Bryan. I'm going to say Jenna King, and here's why. Jenna King didn't get to realize her full potential at Arizona. She comes into Louisiana now, and she's a Cajun, and it's like, okay, well, where is she going to fit into this puzzle? Jenna King has a skill set that a lot of people at the college level haven't gotten to see on full display. And I think the situation with the Cajuns is one where she, you know, she can come in and she can, she can do something with her skill set that, you know, is unique among that roster. Does that mean she's going to go out there and steal 60 bases? No. Does that mean she's going to go, you know, do, do hit huge benchmarks? Not necessarily. That's why I say somebody like Sierra Bryan would be the easy answer. But the skill set that, that Keen has, I think is going to be one that the Cajuns can tap into that makes a difference for them in ways they might not otherwise be able to do. So I, actually, I'm going to go with Jenna Keen on that one um, with the caveat that I know we're about to talk about Sierra Bryan at more length, too. Yeah, you know, bats have always been a huge thing here at Louisiana. Lexi Elkins, 
um, you know, I'm drawing blanks on others, but you know the list. The list goes on. Uh, Sierra Bryan is going to be no exception in 2021, batting 384 last season at Georgia with 11 home runs uh, to to lead the SEC in in the shortened season. Um, how how crucial is her pickup to this program to provide that? That power bat, that, like I said, Lexi Elkins, you know, DJ Sanders, Aaliyah Creighton, those type of players uh, provided for Jerry Glasgow. Oh, it's huge. Um, because the one thing about the Cajuns lineup is you've got so many players who are so good. You know, there, there are games where one through nine, you're, you're not going to find an on paper weak spot in that lineup. But, you know, there's going to be games where. You know, Alyssa Dalton's going to go 0 for 4. Julie Rawls is going to hit into a double play and a couple of flyouts. You know, people are going to have go through go through some cold spurts. It's part of the game. So you bring in somebody like Bryant, and she's an upgrade without offense to um, the person whose spot she's taking in the starting lineup, so to speak. Without offense to them, Bryant's an upgrade just on her own merit. So you bring in somebody like that. Well, what that does is not only adds that kind of powerful bat to your lineup, and you've seen what she can do to SEC pitching, can we just imagine what she's going to do to Sunbelt pitching? But at the same time, that's, that's somebody whose bat is that much bigger to where when the Daltons or the Rawls or whoever in the world, you know, maybe goes cold for a couple of games or for a series or whatever, well, instead of somebody who can hit well, you've got Brian now who can hit great. and. I think you bring her in. I think she immediately anchors your lineup. I, I think she goes out there, and I think she probably, you know, I think she battles for the team leading home runs, if we're going to be honest. And I, I think she's top of the, you know, near the top of the Sun Belt in offensive categories. And I think she gives you a bigger safety net if you're Glasgow and the Cajuns. Because, you know, what if half your lineup has a cold day or a cold series? But Brian's in the half that, that's hot. Well, Brian's bat when it's hot is deadly. You can win games when Brian's bat's hot and nobody else is it. And so I think that's where her biggest difference making comes in is she, she, her bat goes to that extra level. It goes to that extra oomph, as I like to say. And I think that makes a big difference for the Cajuns and the lineup, the powerful lineup that they've got even besides her. Chatting with Justin McLeod of Justin's World of Softball. You know, with the COVID pandemic and the shortened season, um, softball, baseball, and even now we're learning even football, has been given an extra year of eligibility. You can return and not lose your fourth year of eligibility. Summer Ellison and Alyssa Dalton are the the two big names that, that took advantage of that coming back for 2021 as kind of the cornerstones of this program at pitcher and at shortstop. How crucial was that for Jerry Glasgow with otherwise a fairly young roster in order to build on success for 2021? Yeah, I don't even know that you would quantify how big of a deal that is. And the, and the biggest reason I say that is the one thing about playing the transfer portal, and Jerry Glasgow does it better than anybody. He gets who he wants and the way he wants them. But the one thing about bringing in the transfers and bringing in young players and that kind of thing, the speed of team chemistry is not always there. It's, it's not always something where people just gel right away. 
especially when you had a fall like we've had. You know, the fall was unlike we've, any, any we've ever had in the sport of softball across the board. So you don't have those opportunities where, you know, you're able to have huge team hangouts and Halloween costume parties and, you know, Christmas gift exchanges and that kind of stuff because of the different regulations. So let's say the extended eligibility waiver wasn't there. Well, then you don't have the elephants and the dolphins and the players that come off the portal and the young players that come in are coming into this season completely not gelled, you know, been around each other some, but, you know, haven't played together and that kind of thing. But because you do have the Ellisons and the Daltons of the world, and even the Aldering, and I'll throw another name out there, they, they've been there. They, they, they're veterans. They've been around the game. They've been around the Cajun. They know the Cajun way. They know the highs and the lows that they've been through over the last few years. That's the glue that holds your team together, especially during the early part of the season, when, you know, there's going to be some people figuring things out. You know, some of these transfers coming in, you know, some of them may be used to 68 in the Pac-12, may see 64 at that same, you know, same uh, frequency in the Sun Belt. Well, you know, that might take a little adjusting. You know, there, there's some different aspects of it in addition to all of the COVID-induced thing. And having the Ellisons and the Daltons of the world makes a huge difference, I think, because that, that's, that's a few steps you don't have to recreate. That's, that's a few wheels you don't have to reinvent right off the bat you know you can you can go ahead and get on the bike and you might wobble a little bit but at least you're on the bike whereas i think if they weren't there i mean you'd probably be off in a ditch with two flat tires to continue the euphemism i I don't think you can quantify how big of an impact that makes for the cajuns to bring back the seniors that they did and julie rawls is another one i I can't not mention her because you know she's i throw her in there even though she was a transfer a couple of years ago bringing back those seniors, i think is is probably the most important piece of the Cajun this year, even with the high level transfers and everybody else they brought in. So going into 2021, like, like we've just, like we just talked about, there's a, there's a few players that were on the roster last year that are returning for 2021, whether it be seniors or, you know, sophomores or juniors, whatever it may be in your, in your opinion, who is going to be a breakout player in the 2021 season that was with the Cajuns for the shortened season this past year? I'm going to go Julie Rawls um, because I, I think, I think Rawls to me is, is pro- possibly the most impressive story and the most impressive piece of that Cajuns puzzle the last couple of years. You know, when she came in, maybe not the most heralded transfer coming, you know, in state from Northwestern state, you know, just kind of hit, hit well, but at the same time, you know, Northwestern State, the Southland, okay, well, you know, you, at the same time, that was when you brought in, you know, Bailey Curry from Toledo, et cetera. So Rawls kind of is in the background of that. She comes in, you're starting catcher. Well, you, you, can't, you can't go wrong with somebody who earns a starting catcher spot and does as well as she has, especially with a pitcher like Ellison. You know, last year in the, um, again, I'll reference the tournament at UAB, there were some people in the press box who couldn't believe when Rawls got to start in the outfield when she got to break some catching. That's the value she brings to that Cajun team. You know, she can get a break from catching from having to squat for every pitch. They still want her on the field. They still want her in the lineup. They still want her out there. And I think that speaks very highly of Julie Rawls. And at the same time, we've seen her bat. Her bat is lethal. And she hits home runs. But she can also put a double in the gap. She can, you know, hit a single on a grounder through the, you know, the, the three, four hole. 
if that's what they need. She she can fit a multitude of titles and abilities at the plate, depending on what the situation calls for and what she needs to do. I really like that trait in Rawls. And, you know, she, you know, coming back, and she wasn't one that was an automatic yes right away. So her coming back, I think, makes a huge difference for the Cajuns. Having her behind the plate for Ellison's last year uh, and just having her leadership, her methodology, and her bat, I think those are all three things that will be incredibly invaluable resources to, you know, those transfers who are coming in, who are in the spot where she was two years ago, as well as the young players coming in, you know, just getting adjusted to to college ball and college life. I think having Rawls in that dugout, in that clubhouse, and in that batting order is something that's going to serve the Cajuns really well for one more year. The Cajuns had two promising freshmen last season in Kylie Neal and Madison Garay, and both of them ended up transferring. Garay went to Marshall, and Neal is at Louisiana Tech. In, in your opinion, Justin, will the Cajuns – I mean, obviously you're going to miss anybody that you recruited to your program, but – at, in in the grand scheme, will Glasgow miss either one of those players? I think there will be times, yes. Um, and again, you say because you know you've recruited these players, so you knew what you know what their skill sets are, and you recruited them for those skill sets. So I think there will be instances where you know maybe one of Madison Gray's, um, you know, maybe it's a lineup where um, a pitch she does something like that might be really deadly. Like, oh, I wish we had her or. You know, um, Kylie Neal, maybe, you know, in a certain spot where I wish we had her on the base pads or in the outfield or whatever. I think you'll have those instances just because, like you say, you recruited these kids. You know what you were getting. It's, you didn't want them to leave. It's just kind of, it's what happened with face and roster size and all that kind of thing. Large grand scheme, though, I'm not sure how much they will. Um, I think, you know, Kylie Neal could go out there, she could hit 380 for Louisiana Tech. Madison Gray could go out there and put up stellar numbers at Marshall. And you always have the question of, okay, well, did the Cajuns really want to let them go? Oh, how they let them go so they could be doing this here. As the situation is now, though, and with who's on the roster and with what the roster looks like and what the season looks like, I don't know that there will be too many times where, you know, you, you really have a long term of, I wish we kept that kid. The personal level, yeah. You know, do you wish you had them once the seniors graduate? Of course. But – with respect to those kids, because I think they could go do some some good things. Courtney Grimion at Charlotte's another one who was an upperclassman. I think she's going to do some things in her new destination. But I don't think the Cajuns are really going to miss them. Uh, you know, like I say, with respect to them and what they're going to do, I don't think the Cajuns are going to miss them a whole lot with what they've got still in the conference for this year. All right, Justin, a couple more questions before before we wrap this up. You know, 2021 season is give or take about a month away. Uh, in, any news on scheduling? You know what what the Sun Belt's going to do in a in, from a length of season standpoint. Uh, what, in, anything you've heard on that end? So um, from what from what I've been told and what people I've talked to so far, right now the thought is um, looking at a full length season with non conference play and everything. The thing about that there's there's a caveat because you've seen the SEC, for instance, come out and say, okay, well, we're going to play a full season non conference conference on it. Pretty much everybody, and the Sun Belt's included in this, pretty much everybody is approaching this year looking to schedule as many games as they can while also fully understanding you're not going to play a full 56 games this year. You're not going to play a full season. 
um, that everybody kind of realizes and recognizes that on the front end, which is good because, you know, it kind of gives you the opportunity sometimes where maybe you got to think on your feet, you know, make a quick change here and there kind of thing. So right now, from what I've been told and people I've talked to, it looks like the Sun Belt moving forward plans for a full season, non-conference and conference play. I'm looking for conference play to stay in a similar format um, as usual and you know, um, not really changing much there. Um, but hey, the thing is, and this is going to be something that I, I'm saying this now and I'll say this again in March and in May and whatever else, if things can change on the dime. I mean, we've seen it in other sports. We've seen it in football and now a lot in basketball. And honestly, we've seen it in softball already. I mean, there's coaches that I've talked to who every day part of their work day now is going in and working with scheduling changes and seeing what to do here and how to fill this hole there, et cetera. That's not going to change. You know, you're going to have your potential for outbreaks. You're going to have travel plans change, et cetera. So everybody's kind of in a position of thinking on their feet. But from what I understand and who I've talked to and what I've been told, plan right now is to go forward with a full non-conference and conference schedule and just realize it along the way, you know, you may have to pull out of a tournament here. Somebody may pull out of it there. You might jump in this one at the last minute kind of idea and just get as many games in as you can and, you know, just realize that the chips are going to fall where they may and put an asterisk next to the year no matter what happens. You know, one of the one of the first preseason polls for college softball came out today, and, you know, the Cajuns, Cajuns were listed at number seven in the country. Um, you know, do you agree with that ranking? Would you put them higher, lower? Uh, where where are they in the conversation for a potential a potential title run? I, I have them as a top ten team. Um, I think the six to ten range is appropriate for them. Um, I think you've got some Pac twelve teams and SEC teams that are, in all honesty, there's probably about five teams in the country that are head and heels above everybody, and then you kind of got the spot where then I see the Cajuns and some other ones like them. I mean, when in my we haven't put out our preseason poll. In my submission to that, I'll have them probably right around that same spot, 7-8, um, in terms of the Cajuns. And I, th- I think that's fair for them, because um, you do go in with such a loaded roster. You saw what they did last year against top-level teams in non-conference play. So I think that's an appropriate place for them. In terms of championship, I mean, I think they're easily the odds-on pair for the Sun Belt. In terms of nationally, though, I think a, I think an appropriate forecast for the Cajuns is I think you're probably looking at them um, in a top 16 seed during the tournament. Um, I, I think you're looking at them for a – I'm not going to say an easy regional, but I think they should be high enough where – you know, I don't, I, you're not going to see LSU come to town, but I think you're going to see some teams come from out that's going to make for a very interesting regional tournament. And I think you see the Cajuns challenge for the Super Regional. Um, I referenced earlier on um, today, you know, that I was there in Ole Miss when the Cajuns were in that regional, and I, I picked them to win it. I thought they were actually going to pull that one out beforehand. Saw them win the winner's bracket game, and I still thought they were going to pull it out, and then just, of course, a few things go wrong, and they don't. I, th- I think the Cajuns this year, I, I like their roster even more than I like that one. Mm-hmm. Even with the caveat of the pitching depth behind Summer Ellison, I like the batting order. I like the seniority. I like the veteran leaders they've got there. I like some of the young players. So I, I see a good, a good, fair thing for the Cajuns. I think they're a top 16 team. I think you have a, a really quality challenge to get it to go further in the postseason. I think it happens. I think you see them in the, in the Super Regionals. And then I think it's a matter of matchups. 
with the right matchup, could I see the Cajuns going to the World Series? Absolutely could. Uh, I think that second pitcher is, is a crucial element, especially right there. But if you solve that question, you get the right matchup, I, I could easily see the Cajuns being a World Series team this year. Justin, we appreciate the time that you've given us today to uh, to preview the 2021 season. Before you go, man, tell tell our listeners where they can find your stuff, how they can subscribe to you, all that good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're, we're on social media, of course, because you can't not be on social media these days. Um, JWS, Justin's World of Softball. Um, and then the website is justinsworldsc.com. And right now we're in the middle of preseason across the board, all 32 D1 conferences, D2, all that kind of stuff. Just unveiled our, our new subscription tiers and all that for some extra content um, and preseason and, and forecast and all that kind of stuff. I mean, we're, we're, we're in the throes of softball right now. We're still several weeks from the first pitch. But it's all in one place, justinsworldsb.com. Fantastic. Justin, thank you Thank you so much once again for for taking the time to sit down and you know share your thoughts on, on our program. And uh, we look forward to maybe talking to you a little bit closer to the postseason. Yeah, look forward to it. I appreciate you guys having me on. I enjoyed it. All right, man. Thank you. Thank you so much. Chris Russo of Russo Exploration encourages you to donate to the Raging Cajun Athletic Foundation. The RCAF, the official fundraising arm of Louisiana Athletics, supports over 400 student-athletes across 16 NCAA sports. You can invest in the RCAF today for as little as $5 a month. Just go to myrcaf.org to get started or call 337-851-RCAF. As always, donations to the RCAF are tax-deductible. Your investment today will enrich the lives of every athlete that puts on the vermilion and white. Go Cajuns! Schilling Distributing Company, Acadiana's top alcohol distributor for over 70 years, has been a proud supporter of Louisiana athletics for many of those years. Now, they've kindly decided to become the exclusive distributing sponsor of the Rage and Review podcast. This is just another chapter in Schilling Distributing's rich history of giving back to the Lafayette community. Starting as an Anheuser-Busch exclusive distributor, they're now expanded to include local brews for your sipping pleasure. Schilling services over 1,500 local businesses throughout the Acadiana area, employing 160 Ranger and Cajun residents, and they boast over 1,400 years of combined experience. Corporately headquartered right here in Lafayette at 2901 Moss Street, Schilling Distributing encourages Cajun Nation to enjoy their beverages responsibly and reminds you to download the Liquid Finder app today. Awardmaster, located at 3219 Johnston Street, is the only award shop licensed by Louisiana Athletics. In business in Lafayette for over 45 years, Awardmaster creates one-of-a-kind trophies, medals, and awards using a wide variety of materials, including resin, glass, wood, acrylic, and more. Owners Adam and Sarah Lopez are proud UL alumni, as well as Cajun Cooking Club members. Adam and Sarah can also help with your business promotional items. Rage and Review trust Awardmasters for all of their needs, and you will too. Awardmasters is so much more than just an award shop. Give Awardmasters a call today, 337-984-1414, or go to awardmaster.com. Awardmaster, the recognition and personalization experts. 
Acadiana business owners, are you looking for custom solutions from local professionals that understand your business needs? Maybe you're looking to streamline your processes, become more efficient, and achieve elevated peace of mind? Utilizing and combined 30 years of experience in the financial and technology fields, the Vaulted Security Team is ready to assist you with reaching your goals. From credit card processing, internet and phone services, website hosting and design, to hosted cloud, even digital marketing and recovery software, Vaulted Security can do it all. Here's a message from Solutions Specialist, Anna Bourgeois. Hi, I'm Anna Bourgeois, your Solutions Specialist, and it's my goal to understand how we can make your business run more efficiently while increasing profits. I'm very passionate about doing business genuinely. In the merchant services industry and other business areas, it's hard to find a partner that you can trust without question. I'm here to change that perception. Give me a chance to show you what true partnership is all about. Contact Anna today at 337-210-4272 or email Anna at Vaulted Security. ESC Supply and Hardware, locally owned since 1987, is the official hardware store of the Rage and Review podcast. ESC is Louisiana's oldest dealer of Traeger grills and one of two platinum dealers in the state. ESC is your barbecue headquarters, carrying BK and Weber grills, Blackstone products, and the largest selection of barbecue seasonings in South Louisiana. Do you need propane? On sale every Saturday. What about pellets for your electric smokers? That's on sale every Saturday, too. Come see what in the gang out at PSC Supply and Hardware, 1014 Albertson Parkway in Broussard, or call 337-837-2811. Check out their website, pscsupply.com. 